Well, hi there. Uh, this is Jonathan Armstrong from the. Uh, it's actually Tech Law 10 on the road this time. I'm in the uh, sunny southwest of England in Cornwall. Eric, I think you're still in San Francisco, and you've been looking into the netherworld of Hillary Clinton's communications. <laughs> Very good. Yes, this is Eric Shinrod from Dwayne Morris, and I am in San Francisco. It was raining, but the sky is opening up. And that, that's appropriate, actually, because we need to think about, you know, shining light on governmental affairs and sort of uh, shining the sunshine where people can understand uh, what government is up to. And so, for example, we have a fabric of law here in the United States uh, that emanates quite a bit from uh, the Freedom of Information Freedom of Information Act. And under that statute, Jonathan, the people are entitled, as the Supreme Court has said, to know what the government is up to. And in a real democracy, it's really important that uh, those who are governed are able to understand what those who are governing are doing and to have it be relatively transparent. And sorry, I'm sort of going round about on this, but under the Freedom of Information Act, and it's just one of uh, several federal laws here that could be implicated, um, the people are entitled to make requests to the government to find out all sorts of information about governmental affairs, and we're basically entitled to that information on fairly narrow timelines unless one of nine very narrow exemptions applies. So it's fairly much understood that there should be a transparent government here in the United States. So how does that bring us to Hillary Clinton? Well, Hillary Clinton, as you know, was the head of our State Department. Fine. She obviously, as part of her work, had uh, numerous email communications, thousands, tens of thousands. Mm -hmm. That's fine, too. But we've come to learn, and it's been in the news, that Hillary Clinton did not use a government email address in uh, directing her email communications, instead had a private uh, email address. And she explained that she didn't want to carry around uh, a different handheld device, and it was just easier and more convenient to do that. What's the problem? Then, as she's essentially creating government communications, they're not being recorded in a way that can be readily accessible as, as part of uh, government communications. And come to learn, or at least there's a suggestion, and this is, I think, part of what's being debated, that thousands of her emails were actually deleted off the server where she was using her private email address. Now, in response to that, it's been said that I believe 30,000 of her uh, State Department-related emails have been turned over. They, I think they take up perhaps 55,000 pages, something like that. So they're saying there's been a good faith effort to produce the information uh, relating to her government communications from her private email uh, address. Well, the problem is quantity isn't quality. So it's possible, Jonathan, she's turned over now 30,000 communications that related to her State Department work. That's great. But what if there are another 500 that went missing that are very important? And, and how mm -hmm. do we get access to them? And they're not part of you know, how the government maintains its records. And so if we set a precedent that government officials can bypass regular channels of communications, then it gets more difficult to obtain them when we might need to see them and upon request. Um, so this is 
I'm afraid, you know, I, I think, as we know, Hillary Clinton is a serious presidential candidate for a 2016 presidential election. Frankly, she was uh, previously, uh, but she's mm-hmm. been long held to be the front runner in the Democratic Party and probably in the overall election. But I'm, I'm disturbed and I'm concerned that I think this issue is going to really hound her and there could be some fire where there's smoke. Now, I'm not suggesting that Hillary Clinton uh, purposely spoliated uh, information, as we say. I don't think she purposely uh, had communications that she, that she really didn't want to have the, the light of day shined upon. Uh, I haven't seen anything indicating that, and I hope that's not the case. But nevertheless, just as a practice, she certainly should have known better, and it makes it very cumbersome to get at what she was doing as the head of the State Department. And this is going to nag her, and this might be her Achilles heel. What do you think, Jonathan? I think that sounds absolutely fascinating. I mean, it's easy, isn't it, for us who know a bit about technology to say that it is perfectly possible to have two email accounts on the same device. I mean, um, you know, getting Uncle Neil to the moon was rocket science, but that ain't. Um, but I think um, we, we still see the same issues here as well. And, and interestingly, I think we may even see parallels with our own election campaign. A number of people in government where we have similar FOI rules, uh, they and their advisors have sometimes maintain dual lines of communication with third parties, uh, sometimes uh, official communications, if you like, which are subject to FOI requests, and sometimes less official lines of communication through special advisors. Now, why that becomes an issue in the UK, particularly in the run-up to an election, is we have very tough funding rules, much tougher, I think, than in the US. So there is a per-constituency limit to the amount of money that can be spent on the election. And we don't have things like um, uh, free-for-all TV advertising. The parties are allocated a central um, budget of airtime, if you like, which may only equate to, let's say, less than half an hour for the political parties. I don't know the exact formula this time round, but it works to a formula, and you get free time, which is, if you like, um, advertorial, let's say, rather than an advert uh, that all of the networks uh, have to carry. So in at this time of the uh, election campaign in the UK, political funding is a huge issue. And obviously, there is a concern, just as you have it in the US, about dual lines of communication to the same individual. You know, if an individual is asking a minister uh, in his capacity as a minister to do one thing, and that communication is subject to FOI request, then uh, it is worrisome if there's a second line of communication, let's say on a Gmail account or from that politician's constituency office asking for um, something in return, sponsorship for a ball, for example, uh, a fundraising ball or, or whatever that might be. So I think, I, I think I'm agreeing to you that, that let's just be generous and say it was probably unwise uh, if you're subject to uh, freedom of information legislation 
to maintain a sort of personal channel or a channel from your foundation as well. And I think it's another uh, way, isn't it? It's another, another illustration of the way in which emails are the uh, perennial witness to uh, wrongdoing or perhaps um, misdoing in this case. Emails are there uh, as a record and people are clearly going to ask to see them. And the days when 35,000 pages of information were unassailable to uh, a uh, not-for-profit group or a charity looking for information are gone because they can use technology to assist in that search and in joining up the dots. We've, we've an excellent website in the UK that helps do that in the run-up to our election, so helps things like match sources of funding to voting records in the Houses of Parliament. And my suspicion is that politicians, as with uh, businesses, are going to have to get wise to the new world of communications. I don't know whether they were two random thoughts for you, uh, Eric, but I think... No. Yeah, and you know, it's one thing, you know, I'm, I'm not saying Hillary Clinton could not have her own private email account. Of course she could. If she wanted to send an email to Chelsea, her daughter, saying we're going to have dinner tomorrow night at 6 o'clock on her private email, that's A-OK. -okay. And, and, you know, she could have had her State Department account and her private account, and that's fine. And if once in a while she made a mistake, perhaps, and did, you know, say one uh -huh. Gmail that related to State Department affairs, all right, maybe that's a little bit excusable, assuming it's not terribly important uh, of an email. But when you have all of her governmental emails, going through private email channels, uh, not having any on the, on the government system, I got to tell you, that, that's astounding. And I think one of the defenses made was, well, you can still retrieve the records because the recipients would be using governmental accounts. So you, know, you have the to from, and so the person who receives you know, those records to be retrievable. But again, what if that government official now is no longer using the State Department uh, .gov yeah. uh, email address. I mean, this just creates a, n a number of problems. Uh, I've heard that one of the potential defenses also is that under the Freedom of Information Act, if something is outside of sort of the care, custody, control of the government, it's no longer considered a government record. So therefore, the mm -hmm. State Department would not have any duty to go out and hunt down Hillary Clinton's emails you know, sent through a private email address because it's not a government record. But again, that would completely emasculate the statute if that were the case. Yeah. And they, they, they suggest there's some Supreme Court uh, precedent potentially supporting uh, that defense. So, you know, this, this is a hornet's nest that I, I think is just going to increase in terms of difficulty. I, I'm sad to say, because personally, uh, I think Hillary Clinton is a very solid politician in our country. Um, yeah, and, and that's so, your worry, isn't it? The, the worry is, isn't that the legislation was put in place to have checks and balance against those who are basically pretty good. It was to stop, um, let's just say, I don't know whether you have the word, petty-fogging bureaucrats uh, using some sort of shield um, to do their dirty deeds away from public vision. And the difficulty well, with this case is if it sets a precedent to those petty-fogging public officials that they can bypass the law as well, then we're in danger. Well, the Freedom of Information Act, if I recall correctly, was enacted in the 1960s, but it was given very strong and sharp teeth uh, in the 1970s in the late of Watergate. So, mm. you know, the statute is there really to prevent 
governmental abuses that could be you know, shielded from the light of public scrutiny. And so we don't want to do anything that supports the notion uh, that the government can do things in secret beyond uh, the realm of uh, what we've already uh, decided should be opened up by way of legislation. Anyway, we're probably going on. Hmm. I think we have some agreement here, and you know, hopefully this situation will work out. I, I do believe, not that I really have any information to suggest, but I do believe that you know, there was not a cover-up here intentionally. I think this was just gross sloppiness, and there should have there should have been people that should have known better, not only Hillary Clinton, but yeah. the people receiving the emails. If you're a governmental official at the State Department and you keep receiving emails from the head of the department from a private email address, shouldn't somebody have said, hey, by the way, are you going to use our system? Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, on, I'm now ranting. <laughs> no, but you're right. It's, it's at least shared blame, isn't it? And, and governments of all shapes and sizes should have people in place who uh, you know, almost do an induction course when a politician comes into office and tells them that this is the way that the system works. And if that didn't happen in this case, then, uh, then it should next time around. Oh, yeah. I think most of us would know better. You know, I work at a major law firm, as you know, Dwayne Morris. And can you imagine me doing my legal communications, <laughs> not using my Dwayne Morris email uh, address ever? Yeah, uh, yeah. It strains the imagination. Anyway, Jonathan, um, this has been a, a great tech law, probably 15, and uh, we thank you all for joining us. I'm Eric Sinrod, like I just said, at Dwayne Morse. Uh, you can find me at ejsinrod at DwayneMorse.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. And Jonathan, why don't you shed the final uh, light of sun on this podcast at the end here. Yes, I will do. Hope uh, you picked up the bird song and you'd like it. Uh, it'll be back to normal next time around. Uh, do connect with us through all those channels, as Eric said. I'm uh, Jonathan.Armstrong at CaudryCompliance.com, and we look forward to speaking to you next time around. Thanks for listening. Cheers.